Well, it's great to be back with all of you. I was in Vandalia, Illinois uh, at the uh, Our Sorrowful Mother Ministries uh, retreat place. Uh, it's actually a favorite of Father Chad Ripiger. Uh, Cardinal Burke was there the, the month before, so they had asked me many months ago, and I, I, uh, I said, yes, I probably won't do that again, because I, I missed being away from all of you for, for that period of time. Also, too, I just want to address very briefly, um, many of you probably saw I was on the news and stuff like that, and uh, I received um, a disciplinary action. I'm not canceled or anything like that. I love, love, love Bishop uh, Hying. Um, I, I think we're just going to need to uh, sit down and discuss what the word politics means. And with that, I want, you know, I, this is a Fulton Sheen Sunday, we're, I'm going to call it today, because I'm going to quote him a little bit here. But, uh, you know, I just want to let you know, and, uh, well, let you know, that this is kind of the framework that I work under when it comes to that. So I wanted to share a quote with you this morning by Fulton Sheen. He wrote it in his 1947 book entitled, Characters of the Passion. So, he wrote, And so throughout history, these two contradictory charges have been leveled against the person of Christ in his body, the church. His church was accused of not being political enough when it condemned Nazism and fascism, and it is accused uh, of being too political when it condemns communism. Uh, it is the second charge that needs specific consideration, namely, that the church is interfering in politics. Is this true? It depends upon what you mean by politics. If by interference in politics is meant using influence to favor a political regime, party, or system that respects the basic God-given rights and freedoms of persons, the answer is emphatically no. The church does not interfere in politics. If by interference in politics is meant judging or condemning a philosophy of life that makes the party or state or the class or the race the source of all rights and that usurps the soul and enthrones party over conscience and denies those basic rights for which the war was fought, the answer is emphatically yes. The church does judge such a philosophy, but when it does this, it is not interfering with politics, for such politics is no longer polit politics, but theology. When a state sets its, him, itself up as, an, as absolute as God, when it claims sovereignty over the soul, when it destroys freedom of conscience and freedom of religion, then the state has ceased to be political and has become a counter-church. Close quote. You just need to know. I, 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 I'm not going to call a biological male a female. And the counter-church cannot make me do it. When I see injustice and freedoms trampled upon and even put in mortal danger for political purposes, I will not bend a knee to the counter-church and remain silent. The state has set themselves up as the supreme and mandatory religion everyone must follow and obey. That's where we are now. 
That's what I'm fighting against. I hope you understand. These are historic times. Uh, and it's, it's not just political parties, it's all sources of influence that have set themselves the arbiters of what is right and what is wrong. And we will be punished if we do not obey. I'm fighting against that. So I am, people keep asking me, thank you. How am I doing? I'm doing great. I really am. I'm strong and I'm getting stronger. And, uh, and I, I, I thank God for supernatural grace. And I feel it like maybe never before. And I'm doing great. I really am. And, and I'm going to say this too. This Friday is First Friday, and we get together. Please come. If there's anything that would um, help me, and I think just help us in these challenging times, is getting together, okay? We get to pray together. We get to wash our soul in the, in the confessional. And then we get to have a fun social out on the lawn afterwards. I mean, it's just all good. Hope you can make it. We're calling it Faith Force, right? So, it's, uh, so it starts at 6. You can come during that holy hour whenever you want. But, uh, and then we try to end early so you can get the kiddos into bed too. But, um, so anyways, please, please, please plan to come to that. Also, just to, uh, to let you know that the annual 54-day uh, rosary novena for our nation begins in a couple weeks. So please plan to join us with that. Um, at this first Friday, I'm going to give out... I got a few dozen of these. Uh, this is called 54-Day Basic Training in Holiness, but this helps you just follow along. You just pray a rosary a day for, for sure, but there are special prayers that go along with a traditional 54-Day Rosary Novena. Those are in here. But also, I set this up as a training in holiness, okay? A training to live in the high life. And, uh, and so every day there's just a brief reflection that goes along with the prayers for the rosary. So you can get that. But you can find this online too. I mean, you can find all the prayers and everything. Because if you're signed up for the Grace Force, I, I throw it to an email every morning. But if you want a book copy, I'm going to be giving these out. Along with, um, oh, I put it in here and I can't get it. Maybe I can. <laughs> I got my other Elbon that is hard to manage. <laughs> I might give up here. No, I'm not giving up. Here it comes. This, Epiphany Holy Water. So, if you come on Friday, you get these things if you want, if you can come. It's, uh, it's not only um, a way to entice you to come, but also um, these are great weapons to have. And again, the 54 days is like a boot camp. You know, it's, it's a great way to get uh, up and running. And, uh, and then, of course, uh, I advocate this. I'm, I've been totally into this, and it's, I, I find it amazing. But this gets our basic, solid practices of our prayer life all in, uh, in, in shape, which I'm leading on <laughs> tremendously. So uh, it's all good. All right. So um, to go on with Archbishop Fulton Sheen, remember I started out by saying I was at a retreat uh, in Vandalia, Illinois. And... And I just want to share with you this morning that I think, think fits the readings perfectly. Um, what, was, what I was building the whole uh, time together up to the crescendo of the whole retreat. And I was leading us to, to this. 
And here's another quote by Archbishop Fulton Sheen that uh, many of you I've shared with you before, but I think a refresher is good right now um, uh, in the context of everything that's going on in the readings that we have today. So, uh, Archbishop Fulton Sheen talked about a higher life. You know, that's what we're called to live, is a higher life. Okay, and so what did he say about that? He said, Christ's reason for taking upon himself a human nature was to pray or to pay for sin by death on the cross and to bring us in a higher life. This higher life, which is divine, distinct from the human, is called grace because it is gratis or a free gift of God. Man may live at three different levels, the sensate, the intellectual, and the divine. These may be likened to a three-story house. The sensate level on the first floor represents those who deny any other reality except the pleasures that come from the flesh. Their house is rather poorly furnished and is capable of giving intermittent thrills which quickly dry up. The occupant of this first floor is not interested in being told of higher levels of existence. In fact, he may, may even deny their existence. On the second floor, there is the intellectual level of his existence, that of the scientist, the historian, the journalist, the humanist, the man who has brought to a peak all of the powers of human reason and human will. This is a much more comfortable kind of existence and far more satisfying to the human spirit. Those on the second floor may think their floor is a closed universe, an elite club regarding as superstitious those who desire a higher form of life. But there is actually a third floor, which is the floor of grace, by which the human heart is illumined by truths which reason cannot know, by which the will is strengthened by a power quite beyond all psychological aids, and the heart is entranced with the love which never fails which gives a peace that cannot be found on the two lower levels. The world, therefore, is divided into the once-born and the twice-born, between the sons of the old Adam and the sons of the new Adam, Christ, between the unregenerate and the regenerate. There is a real inequality in the world. There are superior and inferior people. But the basis of distinction is not color, race, nationality, or wealth. The superior people of the earth are the supermen, the godmen. The inferior people are those who have been called to that supernatural, super, superior state, but as yet have not embraced it. Close quote. You'll boil everything down. And we see that this is the heart of the battle today. Well, we are called to be supermen, godmen, of course, women. The influencers of our culture are pulling us down to that base, brute level of existence. These influencers, known as the ruling class, are actually the inferior people who dwell in the first two floors, who believe and promote that there are nothing more than, that we are nothing more than another animal species. 
The media, Hollywood, TV, universities, public schools, theater, the arts, literature, they relentlessly pr promote the false gods of sexual hedonism and radical narcissism. If it feels good, just do it. That's the law of animals. Under the power of supernatural grace, we are called to lift ourselves up along with the entire world into the higher life. The higher life of principles, of morals, of values, of virtues. These virtues of God that raises every society out of darkness and chaos into the light of truth and peace. Remember Ronald Reagan when he said, we maintain the peace through our strength. Weakness only invites aggression. Spiritual warfare is about our resolve to become strong in God's supernatural power. The only power capable of shining out the dark and aggressive satanic forces of evil. But then I shared this. Do you remember the story? And here he is. So when we're talking about superior supermen, isn't that cool? Or superwomen, that cool? What could happen though? I'm better than you. This pride that gets in, right? We can't let it go there. Grace is gone once pride gets in. It's, it's Satan's super, uh, nuclear weapon. And it's so easy for us to fall into. So what are we called to live instead? Remember the story when uh, they asked Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of God? I can almost see Jesus smiling as he does this. He calls over a little child and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you, be, unless you turn from your sins and become like this little child, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So anyone becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I love you. I want to live on third floor with you. That's what we're doing. We're striving to live on the third floor, but in order to do that, we've got to become like little children. What, what in the world did he mean by that? Well, He's referring to the innocence and trusting nature of children. They've not yet been traumatized by life. Children uh, maintain a kind of playful celebration of the world. They count their blessings. They banter about their smile on their face. They haven't yet been traumatized by life. And if we're not careful, see, we face challenges. Okay, I'm facing one. But I want to maintain the playfulness and joy of a child. They're not going to steal my joy. They're not going to win. The bright outlook, the hope, the trust, the innocence of a little child. That's what Jesus pointed to when asked who's the greatest. Who is the third floor dweller? Who is the superman or superwoman? Be a child. Maintain that innocence. This can be referred to as the wisdom of the children. 
You remember, they trust at such a level. At two years old, they're learning the whole language. In my 60s, I can't even begin to learn Latin all of a sudden. <laughs> Domino's Nabisco. <laughs> Why? Because, you know, throughout life, it's hard to teach the old dog new tricks, right? Well, why is that? Because I think, you know, we get lied to. We start to distrust. We lose confidence. I want to restore that. I want to trust in God like, like a child would. Put away all doubt and skepticism and live at that high level. This is faith. This is belief. Do you believe I can do this? Yes, Lord. It was because your faith, it was done. The innocence of a child, but the hoity-toities, right? Well, you with your superstitions, right? You believe in miracles. <laughs> Deplorable. You see? That's the second floor living. We are so mocked and derided as believing Christians by those who are stuck at those lower levels of living. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you will receive it, and it will be yours. He said that, Second person of the Holy Trinity. Do we believe it? We've seen miracles. Because I think we've found the innocence of the child and we're striving. Vince Lombardi just popped into my head. You'll never be perfect, but if you chase perfection, you're going to catch excellence. That's what we're doing. So it's time to get strong. Strong in our innocence and trust. Strong in our relationship with God. Strong in the power of grace that comes through us. Be playful like a child. Smile at everybody. Lift them up. Let them see that you're even cute in your joy and your kindness and your generosity. Brighten people's day. That's what third floor living is all about. We need to join, we need to become strong, and we need to be unified. This counter-religion is capturing our loved ones. Do they see a reason to leave that counter-religion? Okay, you know what I'm talking about based on Fulton Sheen's quote, it's this movement of radical secularism that demands you obey or else you'll be canceled. How dare you speak up against our radical secular religion? Are we brave enough? Are we strong enough? Are we trusting enough? to stand by God like John the Beloved did and say yes 
right is right and wrong is wrong. To live in the truth, to easily speak the truth, in spite of what the counter-religion wants to do to us. I'm with you. I love you. Let's join together as best as we can. Let's find ways to join together. Let's continue to work together and become strong. And let's be the children of God, the third floor dwellers, the supermen and superwomen God has called us to be. Again, I love you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.